Welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns from YPN and today we have got Kirsty Darkins with us. Hi Kirsty, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Nice to be here. Yes, nice to see you as well. I've got your Christmas jumper on. I have, yeah, yeah. I'm getting all in, in the festive spirit, you know. <laughs> Great, amazing. Well, we are recording this 19th of December, so we'll just uh, get this in just before the Christmas season starts. So yeah. Uh, let's let's crack on. For those of you who don't know Kirsty and have not uh, come across her before, she's currently a chartered surveyor, but in her previous career worked with prominent firms such as Boots, CBRE and Hallison. With over 20 years of experience in managing substantial property portfolios, she transitioned into property investing in 2016. Since then, she's worked in property consultancy, including launching Progressive Property Network in Birmingham. Her current focus centres on commercial property consultancy, it's a bit of a mouthful, (laughs) collaborating (laughs) with investment partners and building a passive rental income stream for her financial freedom. So uh, commercial is the theme today. And I saw you speak a few months ago at the uh, Refurb in Manchester, yeah, which is yeah. a very good, uh, very well attended meeting. So you were on stage talking about uh, the, uh, you know, the opportunities with commercial. And uh, we haven't done a, a podcast on commercial for a while. So I thought we'd get you in and talk yeah, about great. what's new. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to just jump in with a, a question because uh, for a lot of people, commercial property is very attractive for, for lots of reasons we can talk about. Um, however, for people who have looked at it for a while, perhaps let's say in the last 12 months or so, it's been harder to stack So uh, those deals. So do you think it's still harder to stack or is it just, you know, people aren't finding the right deals? Um, sometimes I think it's because people don't know where to look for deals um they are there people often just look in the wrong place because it's very different to sourcing residential property in terms of where those best opportunities lie so yeah the deals are there I think a lot of the time it's a bit of a knowledge gap it can be a relationship gap because it's all very relationship driven with the commercial agents finding the best deals um and that's really my experience is that people who have a lot of experience in residential and then either want to they've um, transferred their pension to a SIP or a SAS and they want to use those funds or they just want to diversify their portfolio and be a bit less hands-on and then they go oh actually there aren't there aren't any deals because I can't find them but it's because they're not always looking in the right place. okay great where's the wrong place and where's the right place then <laughs> great question so the wrong place is on portals like right move commercial and EGI Property Link and any of the places that you would often look for residential deals. And that's because commercial agents are quite lazy, quite introspective. It's quite a small, close-knit industry. So they put all their opportunities on their own websites. But then, of course, you need to know who they are and how to find them to find those websites. So you don't want to be looking on the big portals, but what you can use the big portals to do is to find agents rather than properties. So that's my tip for where to start with commercial if you've never looked for commercial opportunities before. So you want to put your search into Right Move Commercial, say 
Birmingham, where I am, 15 mile radius, because we go quite broad um, in terms of patch in commercial, and then put your price bracket in and have a look at who seems to be most active. And that's one of the best ways to start finding commercial agents you can connect with. How do you know how active they are? You can just tell by the number of listings, you know, okay. listings they've got. Also, you can look at what they've got on the market to rent. Uh, but it's really just a starting point for finding okay. commercial agents. And the other way is simply to Google commercial property agents, wherever your location is, um, and then go through to about page three or four, because um, a lot of commercial agents really aren't bothered about SEO and flashy websites. And so some of the best agents that we work with now are the very small agents who don't do a lot of marketing and advertising because they don't need to. They've just they've got their investors. They work closely with them. And if you want to get into that stable, then you've got to put a bit of work in to introduce yourself and build that relationship. Okay, so uh, so don't just go straight to individual portals uh, because no. you'd just be searching through there. Have you used Property Filter at all? Yeah, I have. Um, I use Nimbus mostly, though. Um, I find um, Nimbus is best for commercial, right. if I'm honest, um, probably because it was set up by two commercial surveyors. <laughs> um, so, you know, they kind of understand the commercial side. But yeah, I do. I use like property filter and Nimbus more for due diligence than actually finding properties, um, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's just I was curious because a lot of our members have got property filter and I suppose that's sort of reverse engineered. So rather than going to the individual portals, actually it presents you with um, certain mm. deals. So I was just wondering if that was a, a different way around of, of going around that. So, um, okay, so finding agents then is the most important uh, thing yeah. to do first and then how does one build a relationship with agents if you've <laughs> never done commercial before and everyone's got to start somewhere right so yeah. <clears throat> if they've only been in residential let's say they've got a couple of single lets or hmos and they want to get their first residential property uh, what does that conversation look like when you approach a new agent yeah to get their first commercial property well actually i was having a conversation with a commercial agent about this yesterday so I, I know but it's always useful to hear it from them direct and these were his exact words so he has been a commercial agent for 20 years he runs his own commercial agency um, in Birmingham and I asked him that question because it's what I get asked the most from my clients and he said what I want Kirsty, is someone with a plan so you need to know what you want what are you looking for but not just some broad oh, I think I want to buy an industrial property. Or I think, what size? Where? What are you going to do with it? Do you want to be able to add value to it? How are you funding it? What return do you want? You know, you need to have that bit more detail. So he, his words were, I want to work with people with a plan and who can perform. So you must have your funding in place. And for commercial property, most of the time, that means you need cash on the way in, cash to purchase needs to be your funding strategy if you want to add value so he wants to know that you can perform because there's a lot of people that provide proof of funds and then still don't seem to be able to perform when it comes to completing the purchase and there's nothing that annoys an agent more than that because it makes them look like they haven't done their due diligence on the buyer so have a plan and be able to perform 
would you say somebody could look at a deal that's on the market and say, do an example plan and say, okay, this is this is the type of thing I'm looking at. It would work at this purchase price. Oh, and by the way, I've spoken to the lender. And if I were to get it at this price, then they would uh, you know, provide the funding. Yeah, so that's, that's you know, do. that's exactly what a commercial agent is looking for. What they're not looking for is he and he actually gave me an example um yesterday as well. So this is all very fresh. I was like, this is good. Um, and he said, Well, someone called me last week and just said, Um, I want to book a viewing on that industrial property that you've got for sale. You know, it's it's a big chunk of industrial space. It was about 10,000 square feet. And, you know, so the agent asked the questions that, well, what, what we'd be looking to do with it? Well, I don't know yet. I just want to go and have a look at it. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of person. The red flag. That yeah. They don't want to deal with. Cause he's like, why am I going to spend my time viewing a property with someone who has no idea what they want? You know, so he's just he's gave like, away. I'm, yeah. you know, yeah. And, and so that's a good example of what they're not looking for. So really commercial agents are professionals and they want you as an investor to behave as a professional so they want you to treat it as as you should as an investment but they want you to be ready they want you to have a plan and they want you to be ready to perform and if you are those two things they are more than happy to engage with you give you information give you their time it you you just do need to be ready yeah. So in that scenario, then let's say that was person A, who's the novice and not uh, yeah. really, it, it kind of gave them away that they weren't prepared and they didn't really know what they were doing. So person B comes along and they've got a plan. So they've looked at the property in advance. <clears throat> Perhaps they've done their due diligence on various portals, software, and they can say, okay, these are the possible exits for it. So they don't have to have gone out and um uh, you know uh, and got planning you know in place or anything like that they don't have to have started anything but actually going to the agent with here are all the different exits that I think this this will work for and here's my funding in place uh here is my you know spreadsheet and you know just to kind of come across as professional so is there anything else that uh you know a professional investor could do to impress an agent to make sure that first conversation goes as well as possible yeah really it's just to be genuinely interested in in the agent and building a relationship and say that from the outset so tell them what your overall plan is for investing you know so oh uh, let them know that you've got some experience so I'm an experienced residential investor I've got buy to lets I've got HMOs I've got whatever it is um, that you've got now I want to diversify into commercial so I need to connect with agents like you build relationships because I want to build a commercial portfolio if if you start you know start with that then they know exactly where you've come from what you're doing you know you haven't you're not just a total newbie um, to property because that in commercial that doesn't tend to go down well um, with agents you know they're kind of like oh if you've never it's quite a sophisticated market and they just prefer to work with experienced property investors so if you've got some experience tell them what it is and also tell them that I'm, I'm just looking for one property for my portfolio or I'm looking to buy a property for my own business to occupy or I'm looking to build a portfolio and what agents also want to know they, they want to build a relationship because they want repeat business from you so we need in commercial we need agents for three things mainly we need them to find properties 
because a lot of the time they're not well advertised and they come through those relationships or they come back to market and then the agents just pick up the phone to the people um, that they know can transact. We need them to do due diligence because unlike in residential, access to property data such as market rents, sales comparables isn't openly available it's not there it's not on a portal anyway you can't find it you've got to phone the agents to get that intelligence and then thirdly we need them once we've bought the property and we've done something to it to add value so we've either split it up into smaller units or we've got vacant space that we want to let we need the agents to help us find the tenants you know so the agents want to work with you because they know that if you buy a property from them you're highly likely to go back to them and say oh well now i've bought this property and i've done i've done my work to it can you help me let it and they'll get the business out of you at the end um as well so that you know i think sometimes people think agents commercial agents don't want to work with us and that's it it's the opposite they they want your business they just need you to tell them who you are, have a plan and be able to perform. Yeah, there's <clears throat> tends to be, certainly when I, I have spoken to agent, uh, commercial agents in the past, I was probably that novice beginner calling up saying, have you got any <laughs> properties I can add value to? You know, <laughs> yeah. Many of us have been there, I'll hold my hands up. Um, but you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. everyone's got to start somewhere. So, if, you know, by all means, start in an area, perhaps that you, if you're having these conversations for the first time, maybe people can start in a different area where they're not, uh, you yeah. know, if they don't get it right the first time, then they're, they're not kind of damaging that relationship. Uh, but there, there is a bit more of a... Um, a barrier you know as, as we've talked about there because they have higher expectations of us as investors and uh you know it's not like a residential agent that is working with just the general public who are just first yeah. or, you know home buyers so there's a different level of relationship there that's needed um what else in terms of, obviously you know you've done a lot of consultancy and you've got mentees and that kind of thing is there anything else that people uh miss in that in those first stages um anything that kind of shows red flags of um you know this person isn't ready or not really I think that what most people miss is following up it's a bit like networking it's all in the follow-up isn't it um you know we all go out networking and we spend our time um often time when we'd like to be relaxing but we think this is what we need to do to get where we want to go so we go out in the evenings and we network and we and then we don't follow up because we get busy. And that's the thing that makes a difference with agents as well, is if you've been out on viewings with agents, and even if that property doesn't work for you, take the time to feed that back and feedback why it doesn't work for you and thank them for their time. It's simple, right? But you imagine being an agent. I think one of the hardest parts of being an agent is that it's a thankless task a lot of the time, you know, because we all want what we want when we want it. And then we we leave them in the dark. We don't follow up. We don't give them any insight into why we're not going to make an offer on that property. So what I teach my mentees is always follow up and be consistent with that. So thank them for their time. And then all the properties that you viewed, tell them whether you are going to offer or not subject to full due diligence. And if not, why not? You know, and then it helps them to work out what you are actually looking for as well so it's kind of a a process together but I think just being respectful of their time following up will make you stand out from the crowd because a lot of people don't take the time to do that and also if you are just just 
treat them as a as a person build that relationship you know they want to go out for coffee and talk to you about commercial they what they hate being sat in the office believe me <laughs> I don't like being sat in the office <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I think it's it's so true it's so easy to stand out because nobody else is doing this follow-up and just by that you know simple thing have that you know email ready to go before you even do the viewing so once the viewing's done you can press yeah. go on it you know, yes, it, it is for you or no, it isn't for you. And um, yeah, and just, I suppose what you're saying is think long-term. Yeah, I am. Um, think of it as a relationship from the very first time that that you contact them. And I, I asked, you know, again, I asked the agent I was talking to yesterday, I said, what's important to you? What what makes you want to work with an investor? And he said, it's about relationship, Kirsty. He said, I'm interested in having a relationship. I'm not interested in a one-off transaction or just being useful for 10 minutes. He said, I'm interested in people that want to build a relationship because this is a people business. And that's from the mouth um, of an agent. So that's that's what they want. Um, and being consistent. Consistency is the other thing that most people miss and that I help people with. And that goes across all, all investing. I think we, we can be easily inconsistent and then wonder why we're not getting the results. And it is about having in your diary to call each of the agents that you're building a relationship once every two to three weeks. Oh, just calling to check in, see what's happening, anything new coming in, anything that's about to fall through that I could help you with or, you know, and how are you anyway? And just and just keeping that regular conversation going because agents are busy and so they're not immediately always going to think if you're quite new to them oh I should send that to that person and I can't tell you I've got relationships that are decades old and they still don't send them to me and then I phone them and go what have you got and they go oh yeah hang on I need to send you this this and this and they send me about four things you know and I'll be going "Mm -hmm." so a bit of it's about having a system and a process for being consistent and showing up in that relationship because the agents are not going to do that for you a very simple crm pipeline just to keep track mm-hmm. because you know we all know what it's like you you go on these viewings and you speak to people and you're like oh what did that person say what was their name yeah. and uh it's so easy for them all to just blur into you know just into each other and it's hard to separate so yeah being organized having some system in place whatever that is and uh and yeah just having a having the relationship to, I just want to talk about that because uh, for people starting out, okay, they, they they want to get to know some of the agents. First of all, is there any type of agent in that office that they should approach first? Uh, like, you know, is it the valuer or is it the, I don't know if, it, if it's any different than just the residential side where, you know, you've got the desks and they all sit in different places depending yeah. on their roles in the business. So first of all, who is it? And then um, how many people you know how many different agents should people get to know and, and work with because there's so many um how, how many should they start with yeah good question so yes you want the commercial agents you don't want the valuer um they, they just call themselves commercial agents so they and they might specialize in a specific sector of commercial like retail or office or industrial if they're in a bigger agency the smaller agencies they tend to go across the market um, so they'll be across industrial, high street and office. Um, and then how many? So I I advise a minimum of five, but 10 is better. So if you're, if you're starting out, because commercial, you know, the, there's 
there's not as much commercial property as there is residential. So about 13% of all UK property, investable property is commercial. So that's, that's not a high percentage, is it? When, you know, and so you've got to work harder to find the commercial opportunities a lot of the time. However, having said that, there is a lot less competition. So it does, you know, it's fine that there are fewer opportunities because there are fewer investors for those opportunities. But you need about five agent relationships to to get started um, across quite a broad patch. So as I say, you want to go 10, 15 mile radius of your ideal investment patch in commercial because it's a lot less hands off to manage. So you don't need to be there and be on top of it. Um, And you can add value without doing physical development work as well, which means you definitely don't need to be there. You just need the local agents to help you to do that. So about five, five relationships. Okay. And you mentioned there about adding value in the current market. What do you think the best ways are to add value to a commercial property? In the current market, I think asset management, so paper exercises, which is working with tenancies and leases to add values. That might be renewing a lease onto a longer term. It might be a rent review that's outstanding where the rent can be uplifted. It might be letting vacant space. It might be splitting vacant space um, to right size it for current demands in the market. It might be removing tenant breaks. But I personally don't want to be in long term capital intensive, time intensive development projects in the current market because I think there's too much uncertainty and it's very difficult to forecast. So unless you're happy to stay in your investments for two, three years, potentially, I don't want to be doing big commercial developments at the moment or conversions. I want to be buying commercial property to keep commercial and adding value through the paper exercise angle, which again is a different way of adding value that's not available in residential. So it's something to learn, but there's again, far fewer people who know how to do it. Therefore you're finding yourself a niche. Yeah. And is your preference to uh, take on a property that's already tenanted then? Yes. So my preference is to get my capital working from day one to have a return from day one and have some income. Um, It doesn't have to be fully let, it could be part let, but it's very helpful to have cash flow in the market that we find ourselves in now um, from the day that you invest in a property. So that's what we spend most of our time investing in ourselves, sourcing for our clients and helping our mentees find, unless they particularly want to do development, there are opportunities to do development right now it's just not my strategy for the next probably two years. and not where I suggest people start. Yeah. So when you say before about um, <clears throat> about having staying in the property for two years, what you mean is at, at perhaps bridging rates, or yeah. um, because if people go into a into a development project, uh, then they are they're either full cash buyers or they're working with. Uh, bridging finance bridging. which is a much yeah. higher rate and then who knows what's going to happen in 9 12 18 months yes. so because of the uncertainty actually it's better to so would you get a mortgage on the uh property straight away then not if you're buying it to add value because if all the value in commercial yeah. properties in the security of the income yeah. stream so you're buying properties at a time where the income stream is not secure because the leases are short 
um, or perhaps you've got some vacant space or a tenant is failing and then you're sorting out those issues to add the value so you could exit on to, with refinance but you really need to be cash on the way in to find the best opportunities and the most profitable investments in commercial right okay so uh, is, this is an, a variation of sort of a, a parallel variation of planning game for some people yeah i guess so yeah i get yeah similar to planning what, game, sorry what you know, did you call so... it asset Asset management or paper Asset exercises um, makes more sense to people because that's effectively what it yeah. is. Um, and you can do it remotely as well. That's the good thing about it. So it means you can have a broader patch in terms of where you go to find the opportunities because all you need to execute paper exercise adding value is the local agent relationships. So they can find new tenants for you. They can do lease renewals for you. They can do rent reviews for you. Um, you don't even need to be there. Um, that sounds great. Uh, <laughs> any, what are the kind of top risks involved then? Because I suppose if, for a lot of people going into commercial, the uh, the biggest risk sometimes is that it's vacant and they can't get another tenant in. So, but if you're you know buying properties that are already tenanted, you're obviously removing that risk from day one. So, um, how do you assess how much value can be added? Yeah, so how you assess how much value can be added is is you have to learn how you know how commercial valuation works ultimately. So you have to understand that a one year lease is a lot less valuable than a five year lease, for example. And you also have to understand the value of a tenant as a business. So Greg's, for example, um, who is now I've got a, a Greg's in one of my properties um, as of this year. I'm kind of going, oh, OK, it's the first brand I've invested in. But if you've got Greg's or a PLC, they're much more valuable in terms of adding to capital value than a sole trader startup business as well. So you've got to understand what it is that adds value and detracts value from commercial property because there is no bricks and mortar value. So it's fundamental to start to educate yourself on how commercial valuation works. And then you'll understand how to work out where the angles are for adding value through asset management. Uh, could you give us an example? So Greg's, for example, typically, I don't know if there is a typically, but typically what would you expect? How long would a lease be on a company like Greg's? So um, they often take 10-year leases with a break at five or five-year um, straight leases now. So that's that's generally what, what they'll take. And you should be able to get a straight five-year lease out of a new business or a, a small limited company as well. The difference is that to, to value a commercial property, you take the rental income and you capitalise it with an investment yield. And the investment yield is determined by how long the lease is and who the tenant is, mainly. A few other variables, but that's the main thing. So let's take the same length lease, five years to Greg's and five years to a sole trader. Five years to Greg's would be 6% investment yield. And because it's a multiplier, the lower that investment yield, the higher the capital value. Whereas five years to a sole trader would be 10%. So we've got a 4% difference in the multiplier which makes a huge difference in the end capital value. So if I do it, I'll, I'll pick a rent out of the air. So let's say 25,000 a year. So if we do that at 6%, then the capital value is 416,000. Whereas if we do that at 10%, the capital value is 250,000. And that's the difference a tenant can make 
to commercial property value. That's amazing. Thank you for doing that calculation. For me. I was, <laughs> there was no way I was going to do that in my head. Um, <laughs> no, no, me so, either. <laughs> no, it's really interesting to, to be able to compare actually two different types of tenants in an example like that makes it really difficult <laughs> to understand. So um, great. Okay. Obviously, you've got your spreadsheets and all sorts of due diligence that you teach. Um, where do you see that? So, okay, two years before you kind of see, okay, let's see what happens then. What about a bit further? Let's say the next five years. How do you see? I know we haven't got a crystal ball, but any ideas? Where no, well, let's that? let's start with where we are now and then I can kind of build up to um, five years. And it is difficult to forecast that far, to be honest, because if we look back three years, you know, this time three years ago, none, none of us were um, expect. or well, four years ago. So 2019, December 2019, none of us knew COVID was coming. Um, none of us expected any of what happened to happen. And then none of us expected Liz, Tr- Liz Truss and Quasi to come in just over 12 months ago and blow up the economy, um, you know, and for interest rates to go where they are and inflation to be so high. You know, so I, I think... Um, it is difficult to forecast because anything could happen. We're likely to have a change of government. Who knows what the impact of that is going to be? But I think right now where we are in the commercial market is we are at the bottom of the market, which is an exciting place to be if you've got access to cash and some knowledge and you're ready to take advantage of the opportunities. So we are at the bottom of the market. It's going to be a buyer's market for at least the next 12 months, probably going into 2025 as well. So capital values have dropped between 20 and 30% from where they were at their peak in 2022. Mostly industrial that's dropped the furthest because that market got too heated during COVID. The office sector is ever evolving and quite difficult to forecast. And high streets have settled down in terms of where the rents are going to go in most high streets. But there are still a lot of high streets that are thriving and a lot of high streets that totally need repurposing and you need to know the difference between the two so that's where we are right now values are likely to start climbing again towards the end of next year so i think where we'll be in five years time is well i always look backwards to look forwards so if you look at the most comparable time recently to now is 2009 so if we look what happened five years on from 2009 that's where we're likely to be in the commercial market five years from now. And what happened is, so where, where will that be? Uh, 12, 14, 2014. So the market was really on its way back up. It was really climbing. Rents were climbing. Capital values were climbing because we hit the top of the market somewhere between 16 and 17. So I think we will be midway to values climbing again. Rents will be climbing. I think industrial will still be a very secure investment. I think there'll still be a lack of supply for industrial property, which means rents are going to keep increasing. I think also what might have happened, however, as we're seeing now, is that build costs are starting to come down because largely because the big house builders have stopped a lot of their developments. There's a lot more availability of labour. So development is becoming more viable. So I think in five years time, we'll probably be seeing a development boom in commercial, which again is exactly what happened after the 2008-9 downturn. Uh, I mean, that was a proper crash. I don't think there's going to be a proper crash this time. 
but that's where I think we'll be is I think values will be climbing, rents will be climbing, development will be back on its feet. I think there'll be a lot of industrial development. Offices, I think we will have bottomed out the office market. So I think unless you provide the right space in the right location with the right facilities and energy efficiency is ever more important to tenants as well, a lot more office properties are going to be converted because they're just defunct in terms of what what works now. But we'll have bottomed out what office space is actually needed in five years time because I think we'll have decided, right, this is how we're working forever. At the moment, we've still got a bit of backwards and forwards going on. Businesses not quite deciding how they want to work, hybrid, in the office, out of the office. And I think the office market will have matured into its new forever way of being. Um, And then I think high streets, um, a lot more high streets will have had a lot more investment. And I think there'll be it will be very obvious in five years time which high streets need to go and be totally repurposed and which high streets will are long term sustainable. So I think there'll be a lot of change in the next five years, but it's quite an exciting time to be in the market. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we could sit here and talk all day about uh, I know. <laughs> high streets and all that kind of thing. I'm dying, but uh, conscious of time. So, uh, okay, do you want just, uh, that's really interesting, by the way, very um, just articulately put. And it's, it, I think for a lot of people, they're a bit nervous about predicting or saying where things might go. So uh, it's great to hear the theory behind your thoughts as well. So thank you for that. Well, I think, you know, it it is a prediction at the end of the day. And uh, I, as we said, I don't have a crystal ball. So um, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but if not too many surprises happen, that's what I think will happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, we'll have to come back in five years and see where we yeah, are. Yeah, I'll be like, well, I got that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, obviously you do your own consultancy and have um, mentees, etc. So where can people find out about you and what you're up to next? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're on um, we're on all the socials. So we're on LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, also, you can just go to our website, kdcommercial.co.uk, and everything we can help you with is on there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been absolutely fascinating and really lots of lots of value here, lots of golden nuggets for people. Good. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me, Michelle. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. For anyone else who's not yet a subscriber to the YPM magazine, you can click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial, and we will see you next time.